Well, good morning, everybody. So today I have some news, news you're going to want to write down, news you're going to want to remember, and that is the world is going to end. It is. I'm certain of it. So thanks for being here today. I guess we won't see you here next week because the world is going to end. It is a timeless truth that the world is actually going to end. And nobody knows when, although people do try to predict when. But throughout time, one of the things that unites everybody who follows Christ is that there's a belief that someday, at some point, Jesus will in some way return and the world as we know it will end and eternity will begin. Now, even science tells us that the world is winding down, that it's getting more chaotic. I think we don't need science to tell us that. It's pretty obvious to see. But at any point in history, you can pick out a time and say, the world's really chaotic and we think it's going to end because people have been predicting the end of time pretty much since the beginning of time. A long time ago, a pope named Pope Sylvester II said that the world was going to end in 1000 AD. He was certain of it. It was going to end. And then a lot later, Christopher Columbus, during his lifetime, predicted that after his lifetime, the world would end. And he even gave it a date. One of the dates he gave was 1658. Mathematician John Napier said, no, I believe the world's going to end in 1688. And then there was this joker. His name's Harold Camping. Uh, he predicted 12 times since 1978. Not only does the guy have a terrible need for a manicure, <laughs> he also kept predicting the world was going to end, and his world did end in 2013 when he died, so, you know, he was right about that. But when he kept predicting and kept predicting, and it didn't come when he said, he said, well, here's what I know. At some point in the future, the world's going to end. And then he died not long after that. There have been many, many people, many religious groups have tried to predict when the world was going to end. Even people who don't present themselves as religious or Christian, they tried to predict. This guy predicted it would end in 1999, and it didn't. Humans have been 100% wrong when they tried to predict the end of time. Now, by the end of the service, I'm going to give you my prediction. So you don't want to miss that. You want to pay attention. I'm going to say, this is what I believe and I predict about the end of time. But it's really important that you decide what you believe about the end of time. We've been going through a series of messages. Each of the messages have been standalone, but we've called all of them timeless because we're talking about timeless truths of the Christian faith. And we've talked about everything from God the creator to who Jesus is, to salvation, to compassion, the church, uh, stewardship. And today we're talking about what we believe about the end of time. As we determined pretty early on as we were going through this series of messages, what I believe determines who I become. If you grew up going to church and you were presented with a God that was angry a lot of the time, anybody presented with an angry God growing up? Probably some of you if you went to church as a kid. 
A God that was just waiting for you to get out of line like your third grade teacher so he could punish you. A God that quickly determined by the amount of mistakes that you make that you're either going to be in the smoking section or the non-smoking section for eternity. I mean, that was who God was to many people. If you believed that, it had a big factor in who you became when it, come to, when it comes to other relationships in your life. On the other hand, some people grow up believing that God is this God of love, which is the right view, this God of love and grace and acceptance and forgiveness who meets us right where we are, who forgives us when we mess up, and who is not concerned about our perfection, but he's concerned about our direction in life. If you grew up believing that, or you believe that now about God, it changes you. It determines who you become. So what I believe is important. And what I believe about the end of time, it's important. The question of when and how the world's gonna end, not only has it plagued mankind forever, it's also made for some pretty cool movies and books. I mean, we wouldn't even have the whole zombie apocalypse thing now if somebody was not thinking about what's it gonna be like. My youngest daughter just went on a trip out of the country and right before she left last week, she said, hey dad, do I need to take my uh, debit card? Because I'm not gonna use it, I've got some cash. I said, well, you better take it. And this is over a text. So she said, well, why do I need to take it? I said, well, there are banks down there where you're going and if the zombie apocalypse hits, uh, you're gonna need to, to go into a bank. Maybe I could you know, get to a bank and send you some money. And she was like, whatever, I'll take it, I get it. When we see the state of our world and the chaos and the hatred and the way people treat each other, when we see that, we have to think, how much longer will this last of people being mistreated for ridiculous reasons, of people being prejudiced against other people for ridiculous reasons, of justice not being served? When we see that, we have to look at the world and think, this is probably about to end. How much worse could it get? So the question of when is God going to end the world has probably crossed your mind at some point. That's not a new question. Way back when Jesus was on the earth, gathering his disciples with him, teaching, one of the questions he got asked was, when is this all going to end? We're going to look at a section of scripture where that happened in the book of Matthew chapter 24. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just uh, raise your hand. Ushers will give you one of those. It's yours to keep or you can borrow it. You can also read along on the screen. But in Matthew chapter 24, uh, it's, a, it's a conversation between Jesus and his inner circle of disciples because of something they heard him say. And we're going to start in verse 1. It says, as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when this will happen. So Jesus is talking in apocalyptic language. They're confused and they say, Say to him, we want to know when this is going to happen. What will signal your return and the end 
of the world. I would have asked the same question. I would have said, hey, Jesus, uh, I believe you, but how do I get tickets? Like, I want to be in on that. Like, when's this going to happen? I want to know. And so Jesus goes on to tell them, well, there will be some signs that you can look at. He doesn't give a timeline, but he just says there are some things that you can observe in the world that can give you an indication that my return will be soon, whatever soon means. And so he tells them that, and the way Jesus talks about it, maybe when you read it, it doesn't bother you because you think, well, I'm okay with uncertainty. Uncertainty is fine with me. But then there's a group of people who hate uncertainty. You want, you want to be sure. You want to know. If you hate uncertainty, you probably don't know that there's a light on your gas gauge in your car that comes on when the gas gets so low. You probably don't even know that. But those of us who thrive in uncertainty like I do, I just like to see how long I can go with that light on. 38 miles. I've run out of gas two times in my life, that's it, with the light on. Now I know, about 38 miles, I better be getting some gas. Now my wife has probably never seen the light come on. She has run out of gas zero times. And so there's two groups of people in this room. Some of you thrive on uncertainty, so when Jesus says, well, all these things are going to happen, you're like, well, cool, you know, that looks like going to be awesome. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, it's going to, I got to know when that is. When is it? And his disciples, they were wanting to, they wanted to know, when is this going to happen? We've left everything to follow you. You're talking about you're going to destroy the world and, and it's going to all start over. When's that going to happen? And here's Jesus's response to their question of knowing. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. Jesus is saying, hey, guys, I don't know. He knows what's going to happen, but he doesn't know when it's going to happen. He knows how it's going to happen, but he doesn't know when God the Father says, it's time. Maybe, maybe the reason it's so hard to predict is we wouldn't know if God changed his mind or not. It's, he's God. Maybe he was going to wind it up in 1,000 and thought, I'm just going to give him a little more time. And maybe 1999 was the year, but he thought, I'm going to give it a little more time. The point is, nobody knows but God the Father in heaven. Not even Jesus. Not even angels. They're waiting with the same anticipation that we are waiting with. So Jesus will return. But only God knows when. Did your grandmother ever say to you, God only knows? Well, God only knows when it's all going to end. But it makes sense to want to know because you want to be prepared. You students, when a teacher gives an assignment, one of the first things you should ask is, when is this due? And when you get the when, people respond in a couple different ways. If she says seven days from now or he says seven days from now, some of you will go home and say, I'm going to get this done because I'm going to have an awesome week. Some of you will say, I'm going to have an awesome week because I got a whole week to get this done. There's two approaches. And so we don't get a win from Jesus because he wants us to be ready all the time. 
That's why he doesn't say it's going to be on this date at this time, but it doesn't prevent people from still trying to predict based on world events. If you look at the history of our world, there have been many times a world leader has been called what you read about in the Bible, the Antichrist. A world leader has been accused of being the person who is in hiding that's going to try to unite the world under one government. And everybody always has their pick. It's usually in their lifetime. And the person who's currently leading, that's not a nice person, that's doing bad things, that's who they don't want to be leading. So that's the bad person. But Jesus doesn't even know. You need to write, if you don't get anything else, write this down. Jesus is greater than me. He is. Jesus knows more than you. He's smarter than you. And if he doesn't know when it's going to be, Nobody's going to read the Bible and do some mathematical formula and look at what's happening in the world and saying, it's that date. Jesus is not worried that we're going to figure it out. He doesn't know. But here's what he does want us to know. The next verse, verse later in that chapter, in verse 37, Jesus says, when the Son of Man, just another way Jesus refers to himself, returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood... The people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up till the time when Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That's the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So nobody knows, and Jesus is comparing the time of Noah, which is a story in Genesis, about how God destroyed the earth because of evil, but Noah and his family were saved because they obeyed God and built the ark. And he's saying, it's going to be kind of like that. I'm sure in Noah's day when he was saying, God's going to destroy the earth, that's why I'm building this boat, and they laughed. They didn't even really know what rain was at that time, and so they're probably thinking, why do you need a boat? There's no water here. Why would you need a boat? It's not going to flood. But people were busy with their daily lives, and then it started to rain. And then the flood water started to rise. And I'm sure there were some conversations like, honey, we probably should have learned to swim. Or maybe we should have taken that course in, you know, marine vessel construction. Because this is looking bad. They no doubt, those outside the ark, would have wished they had gotten ready when the rains started to fall. And Jesus said, that's how it's going to be. There's just going to be people going about their daily lives, cutting a business deal, watching the kids play sports, taking a nap, eating lunch, sitting at church. Something's going to be going on just in our normal, everyday lives when Jesus gets the instruction from his father to go get everybody that's part of God's family. We'll just be going about our daily lives. So he's saying, you need to be ready. Now that's scary to think about, but it doesn't have to be. Because I'm sure Jesus could have sensed people being a little scared as he talked about this end time. So he goes on to say this. So you too must keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew when a burg burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. 
you also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So you don't know when Jesus, who we already determined is smarter than us, says, be ready. So if someone smarter than me says to be ready, what should I do? I should get ready. I have life insurance. I don't want to die. I don't plan on dying anytime soon. But something could happen. And because of that, I have life insurance to take care of my family just in case something happens during the time I have life insurance. It's my policy to ensure my kids and my wife are taken care of. So when Jesus says, be ready, he's saying, I've got an insurance policy for you. You're gonna need it eventually. I'm gonna need mine eventually. I hope it's later rather than sooner, but I'm gonna need it. And Jesus is saying, you're gonna need this, so you need to be ready when? All the time. So when does Jesus say to be ready? All the time. No matter what we're doing, no matter what's happening in our lives, he's saying, be ready. Use your gifts to make a difference. Whoever you are, whatever you've been blessed with, however much money, little money, health, bad health, whatever it is, use your life to make a difference in somebody else's life. That, you're getting ready and you're asking other people along on the journey. And so the question of when is answered. We don't know. That's the answer. My prediction it's sooner now than it's ever been. That's my prediction. We're closer today than we were yesterday. We're one day closer than Christopher Columbus gave us, one day closer than Harold Camping gave us, than we've ever been. Now that answers the question of when, but there's another question that's always been in the hearts of people, and that is, well, how? How is this whole thing going to end? Here, here's why this is important. Here's why it's important to know what you believe about end times. Jesus promised us he's going to come back to earth again. However that looks, he's coming back. His disciples believed he was coming back. In fact, the Apostle John, who would have been in this episode I just read in Matthew 24 and been one of the ones who said, tell us when this is gonna end, Jesus actually used him to write the book of Revelation. You know, the book at the end that nobody ever reads and nobody ever talks about. The book that's got all this apocalyptic literature in it that's really difficult to understand. And if you don't understand Old Testament history, it's kind of difficult to get that. And so we just don't read it a lot. But John wrote about the ultimate end and what things were going to be like. After the when and the how were taken care of, here's what's going to happen. In Revelation 24, it says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they'll be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. That's good news. So next week, we're gonna wrap this series up talking about heaven and how you can get there, and we're gonna go back and look at that verse again. But that's what he's talking about. He's talking about a world. The world has ended. 
the when has come, the how has come, but in the end, everything evil that can hurt you is defeated and finished. So that still makes people wonder though, yeah, I see all that great stuff's gonna happen, but how's it gonna happen? Now there's a lot of views as to how the world's gonna end and different interpretations. And everybody's interpretation is based on what's gonna happen between now and that in Revelation 21. Everybody agrees that's gonna happen. Everybody that believes in Jesus, claims to be a scholar of the Bible, well, yeah, they believe that's gonna happen. They believe this. But what's gonna happen between now and then, there are a lot of different views that people accept as how the whole thing's gonna wind down. Honest, God-loving, Jesus-following, smart scholars come to different opinions about it. And I'm sure, growing up, if you went to church, you had at least one preacher try to scare the hell out of you by talking about hell all the time. Anybody do that? I mean, he was trying. I'm gonna scare it out of them so they never have to go there. But every interpretation is just man's interpretation of what God only knows. And really, there's four major views of how it's all going to end. Anytime you take a look at end times, it's called eschatology. That's the fancy word for it. But that's, that's people studying how the world's going to end. And there's four big views. And I'm not going to go through all of those. If you want to know more, you can come and talk to me about what they're called and all that and all the nuances of all of them. But like, if you ever read the books Left Behind? Well, that's based on a view, a view that comes some from Revelation, some from that episode in Matthew 24, where it talks about some people will be snatched away and some people will be left. That's a view. But there's others. There's others when it comes to how. Some people believe Jesus will come back to earth and set up an earthly kingdom and actually reign here for a thousand years. Some people believe it's just going to be like the snap of a finger and it's all going to be over and you're going to be here or there. You're going to be up or down. You're going to be one of two places. So there's those four major views that people really get stuck on, but the fact is we don't know. You probably, anybody fill out a bracket for the NCAA tournament? and want to admit it? Yeah, some, okay. There's no way nobody in here filled out a bracket. So you probably filled out a bracket, you probably put some money in the office pool, and, and you know, you've got 16 teams, go to eight teams, go to four teams, go to two teams, and then hopefully the team that you chose is going to be the team that wins. Well, when it comes to how God's going to wind this thing down, there's two teams. There's the good team, and there's the evil team. There's Jesus and they're Satan. And one of them's gonna win. Sometimes it looks like evil is winning because evil can score some shots. Evil can make some pretty good advances. Sometimes we can look at the world and feel like, hey, I think evil is winning this period. But we know already who wins in the end. We know that at some point, Jesus will step up and he'll sink the three-point shot and everybody will applaud and run onto the court because in the end, 
According to that, Jesus wins. Because there's no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. So we know who's gonna win. Satan will be defeated forever. So make sure Jesus is in your bracket because at the end of the day, he's gonna be the one in that championship circle at the end because he's gonna win. So I may not know when or how, but I know who's gonna win. And so when I don't know something, it's best to stick with what I do know. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I know who's gonna win. I know what team I wanna get on if I wanna win. So instead of worrying about when or how, how about getting yourself on the right team? Because once you do that, what's it matter how the whole thing winds down? I mean, everybody agrees, no matter what view they hold of the end of time, is that Jesus wins in the end. So whether people are floating up in the air, well, if that happens, I'll be one of them because I'm on the winning team. Whether Jesus comes to earth and literally sets up an earthly kingdom for a thousand years or not, that's fine with me because I'm gonna be on the winning team. So however he chooses to sink the last shot, I'm behind him. Instead of getting all caught up in the fear that's produced by looking at the, all the different beliefs or trying to figure out when, just get on the winning team. If your team wins the NCAA tournament, you won't care how they won. You won't care if they won because they were great at shooting fouls that game or whether they sunk a bunch of three-pointers or whether they were great at defense that game. It won't matter. What matters is they won. None of those teams are going to say, well, we won, but we just did it by foul shots. They're not going to do that. They're going to celebrate winning. And that's how it is with Jesus. Just get on his team. It doesn't matter how he winds the whole thing down. You get a front row seat to watch and you'll know how it's all happening, but you'll know the whole time, oh, I'm on that team. I'm on the winning team. So with Jesus, you can have your beliefs and I've got my beliefs of which one of those I think are probably the most biblical when it comes to how it's laid out in scripture. But at the end of the day, I'm not banking on any of that. I'm banking on the fact of the team I'm on is the winning team. And if Jesus says to be ready and watch out, I'm gonna get ready. So that's what he asks you to do. He doesn't know when, he knows how, we don't know how. But he just asks us to be ready. Just go about your daily lives living as you should and be ready as you're parenting your children. Be ready as you're growing through middle school and high school and, and into college and starting your life. Be ready as you're starting your business or managing employees or being managed by an employer or making money or whatever you're doing. He's just saying, as you're going about all of that, just be ready. Just be on the winning team. We have three core beliefs at our church that we wrap everything around. And those three beliefs are Jesus changes everything. We really believe that. We also believe that people grow in community and we believe that every person in here has a mission. And everything we do is wrapped around those beliefs because we wanna help you be ready. We wanna help you get on the right team. 
So there's two things, two questions I wanna leave you with today. Just ask yourself these questions. Number one, am I ready? Am I ready? Now, if you think, well, I, I do follow Christ, but I got some things that I shouldn't be doing. Well, stop doing those things, but know that Jesus is not concerned with perfection. He's concerned with your direction. That's what he's concerned about. What direction are you walking in in life? And if you're walking in the wrong direction, get back on the right track. Just make the decision, I'm gonna continue to walk in the right direction. Now, some of you might say, well, I've never made a decision to be on Jesus' team, to follow Christ. Well, then that's what we're here for. Come and meet us after the service. I'll be, I'll be down front, a couple of pastors, and we'll talk to you about what it means to get on Team Jesus so you can be on the winning team because that's where you want to be. Maybe that's you. Jesus says, watch out. You need to be ready. So ask yourself the question, am I with Jesus? If the answer to that is yes, the next question you need to ask yourself is, am I helping others get ready? The coolest thing about being on Jesus' team is you are also a recruiter for Jesus' team. He makes you a recruiter so you can invite other people in and there's an unlimited number of people that can be on this team. Anybody that says, I wanna be on that team, I believe in Christ, they're in. They're on the winning team and it's your job as a follower of Christ to say, hey, come and listen to this. Now that can be intimidating for some people, but you need to know that your story is the greatest starting point for your ministry. Whatever your story is, whether it's, uh, you think it's a tame story and you didn't really do anything bad, or whether you're like, I hope they never find out I did that. So no matter what your story is, God can use that starting point to help bring other people on Team Jesus so you're on the right side when the when and the how happens. Everybody wants to win and getting with Jesus guarantees your win and inviting other people in on the journey guarantees theirs. So we know it's closer than it's ever been and we don't know how, but we know who's gonna win. Now just imagine your life if you believed that, if you really believed that getting with Jesus is the way to not have to worry about the when and the how, even if it's not the world's end, but your end. That's encouraging, isn't it? Even if it's your end, you still don't have to worry because the people who are with Jesus are gonna be on the side that you just heard me read about that John wrote about in Revelation chapter 21. And just imagine how your life could change when you accepted the forgiveness that he offers. When you made the restart that you desire so deeply in your heart. When you invite somebody else in on the journey and they say, yeah, I want in on that. Just imagine if you lived ready how much it would change your life today. So we don't know when it's gonna end. We don't know how it's gonna all play out, but we know who wins. If you wanna get with Jesus today, come talk to me and I'll guide you through that decision. 
God, thank you so much for these challenges that come directly from Jesus and the promise of that place called heaven that, that John talked about where all the things that want to harm us will be gone. And Father, I know there's some people here today that they need to get on Jesus' team. I pray you'd give them the courage to just come and say that. That they could talk to somebody or make a decision to get on your team. And God, I pray for those of us who are already with you, that we would be convicted to invite other people in on this journey that ensures us no matter when or how that we're going to win. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.